A team that has an animal known as a bird on a beach ball came to the Emirates Stadium last Saturday lunchtime in England and they thought that they could, you know, come with this negative style of football and portray the Italian stallion style of defensive tactics, deep blocks, many deep blocks, and then try to hit us on the counter-attack with a three semi world-class forwards. Arsenal 3, Tottenham 1, and as we all know, everybody that knows football, anybody that understands the structure of football and moments in games knows that it could have been more. Once again, Arsenal came to the North London Stadium. Their fans, I know, probably no Tottenham fans in South Africa. That's why for me, the biggest game every season is Arsenal against United. But obviously we know that it's a North London derby. Arsenal came from the south, as some of the Spurs songs goes, to come and give North London some trophies. Because obviously that's one of the few things that they've got. They say that they are from North London, Arsenal's from the south, and they finish above us. No trophies. We have won the league the same amount of times at their home ground or their old home ground, I should say, than what they have won in their history. They've won two league titles. We've won two league titles at White Hart Lane. There's obviously another name that we call White Hart Lane, but uh, not on this podcast. So Arsenal, once again, on the front foot from the start, uh, looking like they want to attack. Uh, obviously, with a young team that we've got, it's not always possible to stream forward in uh, uh, long moments in games because at the end of the day Spurs are a decent team they seem to be uh, moving in some sort of direction I don't know if it's a forward direction with the football they're playing but they were undefeated heading into this North London derby and Arsenal ripped them apart now some bits of inexperience still in certain moments as well as we are one of the youngest teams, I think the second youngest team after Southampton as a, as a group. So there are still naiveties, which we saw in the Man United game. Our only loss of the season was being naive. It was a game that we dominated. And the theme of most of my podcasts will incorporate Man United in some shape or form because there's just this deep-rooted dislike for the club. And unfortunately and annoyingly, they are the only team to have beaten us so far. That could change on Sunday because we know who we're playing. But uh, unfortunately, that's a blemish on our record from the season so far. Um, uh, the team that we selected, the uh, Ramsdale in goal once again, Ben White. Uh, obviously, there were debates whole week on who would play right back, who would play left back. We obviously went for Ben White and uh, Zinchenko. At left back, and the debate at at the left side again is Tierney is more defensive minded, and he tends to hug the touchline and get crosses in, whereas Zinchenko goes more into midfield and allows Xhaka to have the space to attack, and that's exactly what happened in a lot of moments. Uh, then in defence, once again, Saliba and Gabriel Magalhaes. 
in midfield, very important, Thomas the Tank Partey. And then just ahead of him, Granit Xhaka, left central midfield. And then right attacking mid, closest to Bukayo Saka on our right wing, was captain Martin Odegaard. And then obviously on the left, Martinelli, who had a, a stupendous second half, world-class second half. And then Gabriel Jesus up front. The way we press, if you look at it from an attacking standpoint... Sometimes your attackers can actually aid in how you defend the game and how small you make it when the opposition has the ball. Now, obviously, there were one or two moments where, where that's lack of concentration, whether it is the ability for Granit Xhaka to run back, and then obviously, how, how fit is Thomas Partey? He was absolutely amazing, my man of the match in the game. But obviously, the moments that was dangerous was when uh, Thomas Partey uh, was maybe found wanting in terms of tracking back. Obviously, he's a very smart player and he doesn't use that much energy because of his positioning. However, the only time that we had problems was when Zinchenko was in midfield or pushing up. And uh, obviously, Xhaka wasn't there. And then obviously, Thomas Partey as well having to track back. So maybe that is to do with the fitness and the sharpness. But uh, it was small, minuscule moments in the game, which, you know, uh, the type of team that Tottenham are, they can actually take advantage when it comes to that. So what a fantastic goal from Thomas Partey. Uh, They said over 100 shots, I think it was, or close to 200 shots without a goal. And finally, he side-footed. You can almost call it passed it into the back of the net. And Hugo Yoris had absolutely no chance. 1-0 1-0 to the Arsenal. And then, obviously, if you look back at some of our games, uh, I don't know what it is. We do have this moments directly after scoring where Granit Xhaka gets the boys together and he basically demands that the team don't concede. And unfortunately, there was just moments where Tottenham grew a little bit into the game and we had some weak moments uh, at the back, especially with the penalty that we conceded. And that's basically what's been the problem this season. Uh, you can, to some extent, say uh, because of the quality of Man United's passing, that is how they got their three goals and obviously naivety on our side. But furthermore, most of the goals, if not all, other than the United game, teams didn't really have to work that hard for their goals. So that's a little bit of a, a, a irritation, a concern, a worry, especially with uh, a Liverpool team that can be clinical, especially against us on Sunday. But uh, obviously, uh, Gabriel uh, Magahesh uh, fouled Richarlison. And uh, obviously, you can maybe look at uh, Granit Xhaka tracking back, not clearing the ball. And then obviously, uh, uh, Gabriel Magahesh had to, you know, make a foul. And unfortunately, he fouled the player. And it was a penalty for Tots. Uh, Jelly Tots, I think, is what I used to call them when I was younger. And then obviously Kane converted. Quite a few people that uh, I know actually said that he was going to go down the middle because of the fact that Ramsdale and Kane were probably uh, practicing uh, uh, together or very likely practicing together in the international break. So that's a strange thing where, you know, this heated derby brings up two players that plays for the same country. And yeah, going into the break, obviously, generally people were still enthused at Arsenal's performance. But it was uh, obviously a bit of a blow, and especially with uh, our confidence the, going into halftime 1-1. But clearly Arteta had, had one or two things to say. Maybe 
just do the same just be a little bit more uh, uh, primed in the final third because we were creating opportunities we were causing the fullbacks of Tottenham and that we that I said in the previous podcast that was going to be their weak the weak side it was going to be Perisic on the left and Romero sorry well Romero was playing almost assisting uh, I think he was playing on the was he playing on the left I think he was playing more towards the right uh, with long lay uh, towards the left and then in the middle there dire or diarrhea as they call him so Romero was obviously assisting um, can you believe it? I forgot their fullback's name uh, that got sent off so he obviously Martinelli gave him an absolute torrid time in the second half I can't believe I forgot the guy's name now but anyway the Brazilian right back of Spurs that got sent off and uh, uh I don't know, there was something about Martinelli's display in the second half that just, you know, uh, enthused everybody in the stadium and you could hear the volume go up every time he had the ball. Work rate is high and then we just need the end product from him. That's all we still need. We need the end product from Gabriel Martinelli and he will conquer this league. So, uh, an excellent goal from Granit Xhaka to make it 2-1. So, that was before the sending off. Uh, Good work from, uh, no, 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 the, the second goal was Gabriel Jesus. So that was before the card. So obviously uh, Spurs fans blaming the yellow, the red card as to why they lost. But Arsenal were in control for most of the game. And then obviously a fantastic shot coming in from the right wing from Bukayo Saka. And then Loris uh, spilled the ball a little bit. And who was there at hand to score the goal? In front of goal, a couple of yards out was Gabriel Jesus, his first goal for Arsenal uh, in the North London derby. I think he didn't score in the Manchester derby. So uh, when the interviewer asked him after the game uh, how excited he was about scoring a derby goal, he mentioned that he actually did score for Brazil in their derby against Argentina. So 2-1 to Arsenal. And then obviously not too long after that, the fullback of Tottenham's name I can't get to. He's, a, he's such a bad player. Uh, he got sent off. And then from there onwards, Arsenal were coasting. So not too long after the sending off, uh, Arsenal obviously scored the third goal. A wonderful finish from Granit Xhaka. So obviously we did have opportunities. We were able to, the nice thing is we were able to make some changes. Uh, obviously uh, we got this issue of Jesus being on four yellow cards. So another yellow card would have taken him out of the Liverpool game this coming Sunday. So it was good to see that we were able to uh, take them off after 70 minutes. And the guys that came on, they were okay. Nothing spectacular. It was funny enough, Vieira's first appearance uh, at the Emirates, not his first start. That took place last night against Bodo Glimt. But, uh, yeah, like I said, nothing. Uh, Antonio Conte brought on about five defenders. So he wanted to maintain the 3-1 and he didn't want to be embarrassed. So maybe you could say that uh, we would have gone all gung-ho and uh, beaten them 5-6-1. But uh, obviously Conte wanted to bring on defensive players to try and make sure that they don't get embarrassed. Even though I think it was kind of an embarrassing display, uh, especially with the type of football that Tottenham came around with. So once again, Arsenal, it was wonderful to be 3-13 in the off- on the Saturday afternoon with all the league games still to go, being top of the log. Now, uh, I've got my thoughts on, on, on how I feel the season can go. Uh, for me, the most important thing is for our mentality shift. So that's been key. And then obviously the most important thing is 
keeping certain players fit because we do not have the depth in certain positions. Uh, I've seen enough of Sambi. Uh, I know it's very difficult to, I'm not criticizing, but it's difficult for certain players to come into certain positions which are deemed irreplaceable when it comes to the players that's currently playing in the first team. But there are, are concerns in terms of the likes of Sambi. In defense, I've got no issues. Obviously, in goal, Turner's okay. He's not great. Uh, so that could be a concern. And then obviously our uh, number four. I call it number four. In Europe, they call it a number six. But uh, yeah, let's call it a, a four slash six. So that's the Thomas Partey role. I don't think Sambi has the locomotion skills, the way that, that, that uh, Thomas Partey is able to turn, especially when two players are on him, and obviously to make that killer pass from deep. I don't think Sambi has that. He's more... Uh, Probably slightly better passer than El Nene because El Nene is safe. So that is a concern. Uh, I'm not concerned with left centre mid because I think Zinchenko can fall in there. Possibly even Odegaard or Vieira can fall in that left eight role. And then obviously, uh, to some extent, the right wing, if Saka isn't there, could be an issue because Nelson and Marquinhos, they both actually right wingers, uh, are not setting the world alight. But obviously Marquinhos... Probably didn't have any game time other than the Zurich game. Uh, didn't play for the under-21s. Uh, so he didn't look too good against Bodo Glimt. But I'll get to that game next. So 3-1 to the Arsenal. Only concern that I have at this moment in time. I'm happy with the mentality. I'm happy with the way we're playing. I'm happy with depth in most positions. The only concern is when there's injuries to key positions and suspensions to key positions, are we going to be able to maintain uh, the form because obviously this little period is going to be busy that's coming up now up until November and then we've got the World Cup break and then what's going to happen there's two games two games three games before we probably can make it make a signing even because I think we play on the first or the second of January so that's three games of the World Cup uh, who knows what uh, in what way players are going to come back? Who knows if there's serious injuries at the World Cup? So it's going to be very important for Arsenal to, in December, to start lining up one or two players to come in. Because if they are wanting to push for a, a second, I can't see us pushing for first with the way Man City plays. But you never know. But even so, if you're pushing for second or first or third, then we're going to need a bit more. I'm 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 confident that we would be able to get third, even if we don't make any more signings. However, I would like us to push for more. I'm worried about the fixture congestion, as well as the type of teams that's coming from the Champions League to down to the Europa League is also going to be a problem. So whether we feel we are better than most uh, teams uh, or top teams that's going to come down from the group stages in the Champions League, it will still be a tough game on a Thursday. Two-legged affair, plus still you're difficult and we're going to have difficult away games in the second leg of the season. Spurs, well, that will be January. We're going to have to play Liverpool away. We're going to have to play Man City home and away. Uh, Man United's coming to the Emirates. Chelsea's coming to the Emirates. So there are tough games going to be taking place in a short space of time. In January, February, we have League Cup. We might actually be knocked out. I, I'm a bit concerned about the Brighton game. Especially the way the the players that comes in are playing, 
and uh, the fact that Brighton will probably play a very strong team at the Emirates next month when we play them in the Carabao Cup. So that, I'm a bit concerned about that game. And then we don't know who we're going to face in the third round of the FA Cup. We could play City at the Etihad in the FA Cup third round. That's possible. Or Liverpool at Anfield. And we know our record, despite the positivity that's currently taking place. So we leave it at that. Arsenal 3, Tottenham 1. Say, we are top of the league. Say, we are top of the league. So our Europa League journey continues uh, with a very good first half display from a Arsenal team that showed quite a few changes. Uh, Bodo Glimt, the Norwegian second place team, a team that's uh, surprised many. I think they had good results against Celtic and AS Roma last season and they narrowly missed out uh, by losing to Dinamo Zagrebsia, the team that's in Chelsea's group, the team that beat Chelsea. Uh, in the Champions League. So it's a decent opposition, uh, even though they looked a bit uh, iffy in the first half. They played much better in the second half, especially the first 15 minutes. I personally feel it was more Arsenal that took their foot off the pedal a little bit. And you just can't. You can't do that. I can understand we were 2-0 up clear and we felt that we were superior, even with the changes. But uh, there is certain aspects of our game that we need to iron out. And obviously, you must reserve energy. I do understand that. But with that, teams that, you know, uh, have a little bit of a spell of position and then look slightly threatening can cause problems, especially uh, if you feel that you are comfortable and you feel that you may be not going 100%, especially with the way we press and the way that we pass the ball. I felt we were very slow with that. So that's a positive. The the, the fact that we won comfortably, we beat them 3-0, our passing wasn't great. The manager was moaning on the touchline and he was not too happy at the end of the game. So that's a positive. It means that the standards are being raised. So that's very important. Uh, if you think back two, three seasons ago, especially under Una Emery, the insipid football that we played, uh, standards have definitely been risen uh, and with a young squad as well. So we're definitely on the right track. Even if it doesn't work out this season, it must work out. But even if it doesn't work out this season, a lot of the aspects are there. Uh, Mentality change and all of that. But uh, just on yesterday's game, the team, uh, we had Matt Turner in goal. I thought he was good. His long passing is actually surprisingly very good. It's it's the short passing that that sometimes, uh, if you are hypercritical, that's probably something that he's still working on. It's much improved, especially from pre-season. Because the club that he played for, uh, New England Revolution, I think it is, they don't play uh, out from the back. They actually, when the goalkeeper has the ball, he tends to go deep. So he's obviously not used to that. It's an experienced keeper. I don't think the USA plays out from the back. So uh, it's something that he's obviously I have to be, be coached, especially by Inaki Thanya. That is our goalkeeping coach. So we want to play out from the back. It wasn't bad. I thought it was actually much improved. And then he obviously made two good saves in the game as well. So I thought he had a good game. Uh, We are playing uh, changed teams every week from here on in until the World Cup break. So we've got four consecutive weeks of Europa League action. Or is it five? Four. That's four consecutive weeks. Uh, we've got Bodo Glimt on an artificial pitch next week. And then we've got consecutive games against PSV. And then early November, we end off with Zurich at home. Hopefully by that time, we can play just youngsters. Because we've got Chelsea and Wolves. 
away from home as well as Brighton at home in the Carabao Cup. So it's very important that we get something out of the Bodo Glimt away game. I'm very concerned about the artificial pitch in the sense that it's very, very easy for players that's used to playing on the lush lawns of England. Uh, very easy for them to get uh, little niggles. I think Tierney might have actually gotten an injury two seasons ago while playing on an artificial pitch in one of the year. I think it might have been in Sweden, a Sweden away game that we had against one of the Swedish teams and he might have gotten injured there on an artificial pitch. So uh, that's a concern for next week because uh, once again we do not want to finish second in this group uh, because of the fact that if you finish top in your group you then avoid having to play Champions League teams in the last 32. So it's very important that we win the group. We're on the right track. We unfortunately couldn't play our second game at home to PSV otherwise we would have been on nine by now. But uh, we're going to have the opportunity to play PSV, who beat Zurich 5-1 away from home. The same team that we struggled with the, the evening that we found out the Queen of England passed, where Arsenal obviously dominated the game, created a lot of chances, didn't finish Zurich off, and it became a tough game. But it's changed teams. PSV are playing their full-strength team. They uh, easily beat uh, Zurich away from home. So that means that Arsenal are top. Two games, six points. PSV, two two games, four points. Obviously, a good goal difference ahead of Bodo Glimt, who has four game, four points after three games. And Zurich has already lost all three of their first games. So, Arsenal and, and PSV are obviously one game in hand. And that's the game that they had to play at the Emirates. So, that is taking place this month. In fact, after we play Bodo Glimt, we play PSV consecutively. Away and then at home. So that's what we can look forward to in the Europa League. I personally have a hate, hate, dislike, dislike relationship with the Europa League. Uh, for long amount of years, or for years, I didn't watch the Europa League uh, due to the fact that something that took place in Copenhagen all those years ago. Was it 2000? I think it was around about 2000 where we uh, lost to Galatasaray. And that was the last Europa League game that I watched. I did. I didn't watch Atletico Madrid semi final. I didn't watch when we got knocked out by Olympiacos. The COVID, the COVID knockout. I call it because that's the game where Arteta picked up COVID. I didn't watch the final against Chelsea. I can't stand this competition, but I do understand it's very important for our growth. That's why I started watching it again, and I'm obviously on board with everything Arsenal. Uh, uh, so that's my, my thoughts on the Europa League. Can't stand the competition, but it's part of our growth path that we as a club are on. So Arsenal 3, Bodo Glimt 0. Our first clean sheet in 10 games at the Emirates Stadium. So that's important. It's important to, to stop giving away these silly goals. And there were one or two moments where we gave the ball away in our box and Bodo Glimt had chances. Nothing serious but they had chances to be able to uh, uh, get a goal but uh, I thought uh, he did quite well uh, Mr Turner. Uh, the way the goals happened uh, with the first goal was a shot from uh, so obviously Marquinhos had a bit of space got the ball through to Tierney who came lambasting down the left side of the field and then he obviously had a scorcher of a shot that came off the post and that was a very good finish. I thought that was harder to finish than the opportunity later in the game where Nketiah blew the ball over the post. 
or, or shot the ball over the post uh, or the crossbar. Uh, that was disappointing. He should have had two goals in Ketia. But 1-0 to Arsenal with Nketiah. And then a couple of minutes later, a sumptuous cross from our new youngster, very lightweight. I, I know a lot of people say this about Fabio Vieira, but he got he gets bumped off the ball quite a bit in all of his displays so far. But it doesn't matter. He's got two goals and one assist already. So there's lots and lots to come. Imagine if he doesn't need to bulk up necessarily, but just gets a little bit Premier League stronger. Then we have got one hell of a player on our hands. He's literally just starting, has still has to still settle into the league and already two goals, one assist. Uh, yeah, his assist and one goal was yesterday in the Europa League and then he obviously scored against Brentford where I thought he was excellent. So he was man of the match as well yesterday. Our third goal, uh, I'm running into a bit of a tangent here, but I am absolutely flabbergasted on uh, the run from Jesus. And he's done this numerous amounts of times where he has this runs where he dribbles past players. He's one of the top dribblers in the league, Martinelli as well. So uh, that's that was amazing to see where he was on the left wing. And then he obviously created a chance for Fabio Vieira to score the third goal. So we could have had, once again, there's quite a few games where we were quite a bit on top where we felt we could have scored more goals. Hopefully that will come in the second half of the season where we are actually regularly beating teams 5-6-0. So we need to still work on that, being able to thrash teams because we've had the opportunities in most of our games so far. In fact, all our games, we could have smashed teams, including that United game. Yes, I'm mentioning it again. Up the Arsenal, top of the Europa League, top of the league. Arsenal-Liverpool next. The Scouse that stole my house. It's once again Arsenal versus Liverpool. There's two games a season that I personally dread. It's Liverpool home and away and Man City home and away. Two teams I truly believe are better than us and obviously much further in their product, project. So obviously I do dread this game. This is the only game since I've started doing podcasts that I believe that we can lose. However, I feel for once that we can win. It's been quite a dreary road for Arsenal in the last decade or so. Up against Liverpool, we've had some here and there victories against Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. Uh, but all of them were where Liverpool were slightly maybe dominant or the better team. We defended well in the games that we actually beat them. I remember a league game uh, on our way to the FA Cup, the we, behind closed doors game where Nelson scored. I can't remember who scored the second goal. It might have been Lacazette. I can't remember who scored the second goal, but uh, uh, I remember Liverpool dominating that game for most of the game. And then there was quite a funny picture of Klopp sitting flabbergasted at, uh, at the manager's seats uh, when Arsenal won 2-1. And then obviously we went on to beat them. I think we beat them in the... Community Shield, we beat them uh, on penalties. Uh, Alba, Alba scored for us and Minamino scored for Liverpool. But it was obviously in the match itself, it was a draw. We won on penalties and then I remember us winning on was it on penalties in the Carabao Cup not too long. So we've played them quite regularly. We tend to play them regularly in the Carabao Cup as well as our two league games. And unfortunately, uh, as we saw in the documentary... Uh, we just haven't got it when it comes to this Liverpool game. Uh, I'm not overly confident. I'm I'm confident that we will put up a much better display and 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 
won't give up as we have in previous games. I don't know if it's giving up or if it's just the quality of the teams, but Klopp's way of playing seems to have been a problem for Arsenal and then obviously Arteta as well. We've gotten quite a few big hidings. 5-4-3 uh, at uh, uh, that's goals conceded at Anfield and regularly losing by two or three goals at the Emirates. So a team that gives us problems. However, I've watched Liverpool quite a bit this season and they're just not on it as they normally are. They're not controlling midfield or if they do control midfield, then they are creating a lot of chances, but they are not finishing them. And they are giving away more chances than normal. So, uh, difficult to say that they have weaknesses, because it's basically just drop of form, drop of intensity. But uh, if I now go through the team that I think they will play, they, they've got a lot of things that can hurt us. However, we need to think... Us now. And uh, Saliba, Gabriel at the back. Uh, we need Gabriel to, to be at his best. Because I know for a fact that he's had some bad games against Liverpool. He's actually been someone that's not had good games against them. So uh, in goal uh, on both ends, it will be Allison and Ramsdale. Both excellent goalkeepers, both at the top of the game. Uh, at right back, so Liverpool will play 4-3-3, so they will probably have Trent Alexander-Arnold at right back. I'm not sure if Richards, uh, Richardson, Robertson is fit at left back, so it will be Chimikas or Robertson. I'm not entirely sure about the fitness situation. And then I'm certain it's going to be, uh, I don't know if Konate is back. That will be a bit of a concern because I really rate Konate. In fact, I think Konate and Saliba should be the centre-back for France. Uh, so obviously Virgil van Dijk uh, will be left centre-back and I'm not certain if Konate or Matip will play at right, right centre-back. But it's all players that's been making errors. All these players I've named, they've all made errors recently leading to goals. Brighton obviously drawing 3-3 with Liverpool. Trossard, someone that I like and that I would have liked to have at Arsenal scored a hat-trick for Brighton at Anfield. So their wing defence and then obviously in midfield as well, they've been having a little bit of problems. Uh, so I don't know if Fabinho, Henderson and uh, Thiago will play or if it will be Fabinho... Thiago and Elliot, so they've got options. Uh, I think some, all of those guys are fit. They've got options to, to, you can say, negate or play well against our midfield. But obviously we need Thomas the Tank and Granite Xhaka Bloodclot to be at their best. So I don't know what three they're going to go for, but if I had to, it's a prediction of the lineup sec section of my podcast. So I'm assuming it will be Fabinho, who always has good games against us. I'm going to go with Henderson because they're going to need the fight. And then I think Thiago because they want, uh, obviously, someone to have the ball. And then up front, it really could be anything. I know Firmino has a great record against us. So it could be Firmino, Jota and uh, Salah with uh, Luis and uh, Nunes on the bench. So they've got clearly by those names I've said, if they are at their best, they're going to give us problems again. They're the type of team that we have struggled with. Uh, other than the fact that they are probably better than us, it's just the way they play, the type of football that they play. They're on the ball, they're aggressive. So that is something that's always been a concern and that's why we've been getting hidings from them, not just being beaten. We've been getting hidings. On our side, I expect it to be Ramsdale, uh, Benjamin White, 
Uh, I'm not sure Zinchenko didn't train at all, but uh, if he is going to be fit again, then Zinchenko at left-back. If it was at Anfield, I would go for Tierney. And then Saliba, Gabriel at centre-back. I'm worried about Gabriel. Still not ironed out his issues. Uh, even at times looked a bit dodgy with his passing yesterday. So something's up with Gabriel. I don't know what is going on. But obviously after the goal that he con- or the penalty that he conceded uh, uh, against Spurs, he was actually excellent in the second half. So let's hope he brings that performance in. And then obviously the rest of the team picks themselves as well. I... I- Assume that unless Zinchenko is not fit, I think it will be the exact same team. Thomas the Tank Party, Xhaka Bloodclot, and Odegaard to captain. And then obviously Saka, Martinelli and Gabriel Jesus up front. So hopefully no issues, no injuries, no knocks. And that will be our team. I'm not bold enough to think that we will win. Because when I start thinking about the likes of Fabinho, Firmino... Uh, Jota, Salah, these are guys that regularly score against us and perform very well against us. So I am going to go for Desmond 2-2. Desmond 2-2. I'm going to go for a 2-2. Not the, the worst result in the world. I'm confident that we can get something out of the game. I'm confident that we can impose our game. I'm not confident that we will take our chances. And I'm not confident that we will be able to dominate the game uh, to then obviously be able to protect Saliba and Gabriel. And uh, obviously, if it is that I'm going with my gut feel, Zinchenko, then we could have problems there as well because Salah will be on uh, against Zinchenko. And I think Salah will win that battle. Because of the fact that we want to obviously impose ourselves and we would like to push up the field and have Zinchenko going into midfield and then Xhaka going into the final third of Liverpool. So Salah against Zinchenko, it's going to be a problem. I'm confident that uh, the Jota slash Firmino, because they're going to interchange between left and uh, the left side of the field where Benjamin White plays. So Benjamin White has to tuck in because Firmino and Jota will basically be a two against our three or let's say our other two. So it's going to be basically Jota and Firmino versus Saliba and White. And you're going to very likely have Zinchenko and Gabriel against uh, Fabinho or let's say, yeah, Fabinho probably and Salah. So, uh, those are battles that we are going to have to win. Thomas Partey against uh, Thiago, I would think it is, or against Henderson. Uh, we're going to uh, need Jesus to drop back and, and help win balls. Uh, it's going to be important, the 50-50s, to win those because so that Liverpool don't get momentum, whether it's on the counter-attack or when they're busy dominating spells of the game. And we're going to have to be compact. We're going to have to be disciplined. And uh, very important that we don't have the yellow cards turning into red cards. No dodgy tackles. Um, and I'm confident that we can score goals. I'm, the only thing that I'm not confident about is the ability to dominate for large periods against this Liverpool team. And then when we are dominating, are we going to be able to put our chances away? Okay. So I'm basically doing this podcast thinking of the Liverpool that's going to be at the absolute best and not the Liverpool that struggled against Ajax and Napoli in the Champions League and the Liverpool that lost to United and that drew at home with... Uh, Brentford. So that's basically how I'm looking at this Arsenal-Liverpool game. So my prediction is Desmond 2-2. I'm desperate for a win. I'm desperate for us to beat them. I'm desperate for us to thrash them. But I don't think Klopp is going to come well. 
Klopp will come with the right mentality. It's all about how his teams performs and imposes themselves against us. So that's my thoughts for this week. Up the Arsenal. <laughs>